Today's scripture is from Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. For it is as if man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had the two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master replied, You wicked and lazy slave, you knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one with ten talents, for to all those who have more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But those who have nothing, even what they have, will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. So like I said earlier, we're in a season of talking about legacy. And, and I, I have to say, you know, this, uh, this little sermon series here didn't come out of a vacuum. It came out of a long series of steps of thinking about what it means to be the church during this time. And one of the things that the church is, is a living legacy. All around us, we have present the works, the love of many generations that have gone forward before us to raise this building, to bring forth the financial necessities to keep it open, to extend the heart of Christ beyond these four walls into the community, we have all around us a living legacy, and we too are a part of that, a community that is seeking to invest in something more than ourselves. And ultimately, that's what a legacy is. It's an investment. We talked a little bit about this last week and the week before that to leave a legacy is to invest. 
Now, I'm not sure about how many of you all uh, invest in anything. Um, Kristen and I, the most we invest in is a 401k because that's the most we could afford to invest in. But I am incredibly fascinated by the stock market. Uh, it's, it's just uh, such a volatile and confusing and, and, and rapidly moving entity that so much of our economy seems to turn to in, uh, in good times and in bad. And, and it's uh, fascinating. I remember in seventh grade, I think it was seventh grade, um, we were, I can't, it was, it was one of our social studies classes. It's a little foggy, but I remember that each student was given $10. And then we were sent to this uh, student-based platform online in which we could take that $10 and invest it into the stock market in some way, shape, or form. And we were given like a list of companies that we could do this with. It was highly regulated. You know, you can't trust, uh, what, how old were we? I don't know, seventh graders with, with too much money now. But it was, it was highly regulated. And so we, but we, we had this $10 that we could invest and see what happened through it all. I don't remember the outcome of it. And I feel like I probably blocked it out because I lost everything. Because that's just the nature of who I am. Whenever I, I just don't have the best of luck whenever it comes to investing. Or I'm just not very uh, vigilant whenever it comes to watching numbers. But investing is an important concept that we need to think about because there are two sides of investing. There is investing for ourselves and there is investing for more than ourselves. Now, typically, when we invest in something, we are looking for some return off of our investment. And now I know this is starting to sound like an Econ 101 class over here, but I uh, promise we'll get into the Jesus part of it all. Investing means that you take something of yourself or something from yourself or your resources and put it into something else, hoping to get a greater return on it. Um, whenever you buy a house, uh, unless you are planning on living there forever, and even then, too, you are investing in it. Whenever you buy a car, you're investing in something for your life. Uh, same goes for the stock market or a 401k or anything else that you might invest in. You are hoping to get some return off of your investment. In fact, there are many people who make their entire livelihood off of investing. If you've ever seen that TV show called Shark Tank, there are what is it, five different people who they just, they, their entire livelihood is just investing in other people's ideas, hoping to get a greater return on their investment. But we have before us here a story that is a bit unique. Three individuals are given three amounts of money and they are tasked with going about their business with it. And two of them end up investing it, but what they invested is not their own and it does not return to them. It returns to their master. It's a difficult concept for us to conceive of in an economy, in a society that is more me-focused. But these slaves, as they are called in, in our text today, do not get to receive what they invested. So we have to think about this other form of investment now, an investment in something more than ourselves. Because they still receive a reward, it is just not their investment. Now, 
feel like, you know, you start saying a word too many times and it starts to sound weird, that's the way the word investment is starting to sound to me. It's, it's not, it's starting to sound weird. So I'm gonna try to uh, change the, the verbiage here a little bit and break down some of our context of the passage that we are looking at today. So first off, remember that in Matthew 25, the entire chapter is framed within the context of Matthew 24, in which Jesus starts talking about the end of days and the return of the Messiah and all of these darker images that we often might associate with the book of Revelation. It's uh, Jesus' apocalyptic sermon on the mount, the Mount of Olives, that is. And so we began in this uh, unpacking the parables that Jesus uses to talk about the kingdom of God and the end of days and this apocalyptic message with the parable of the ten bridesmaids last week and how they were not, and how five of them were foolish and not prepared. We now turn to a different parable, the parable of the three slaves, the parable of the uh, eight talents. And first off, we need to recognize something crucial. Slavery in biblical days is not the same kind of slavery that we thought about. To be a slave was a form of employment almost, and that's not exactly correct, but that's the best way that I can translate it in our brief amount of time. Uh, to be a slave was just to be a steward of somebody else's stuff, and you got paid for it, and you were taken care of for it. It's not the same kind of slavery uh, that, that might uh, darken our own uh, national history. And so, with that in mind, we now look at the master of this property who's going on a trip, and we don't know for how long the master's going to be gone. And even after the master returns, we don't know how much time has passed. Remember last week, we started talking about how the when of it doesn't matter. When is this going to happen? It's not the point of Jesus' message in all of this. The when, it's neither here nor there. Just, just know it is going to happen, and what are you going to be doing whenever it does? So, untold amount of time. The master, before going on his trip, hands off to his, uh, to his three slaves, to the first, to the first, five talents, to the second, two talents, to the third, one talent. Now, for the context to make this a little bit jarring. In uh, this presence in the society that we have here, we have uh, a certain uh, monetary system that we're a bit unfamiliar with. A denarii might sound a little familiar. That was one day's wages. A talent, or a talenton in the Greek, is 6,000 denarii. 6,000 days wages. Somewhere between, I don't know, somewhere around 18 years salary one talent. So imagine that you are the third slave in this and somebody just hands you one year of your salary. Done, or no, excuse me, not one year. 18 years of your salary. I need to correct myself there. 18 years of your salary. Somebody just hands that to you before they leave. Or, or you know, you, you have the, uh, you have the other, the, the, one who's given five talents and five times 18, and do that math in my head really quick, is uh, 90 years talent. Okay, or 90 years salary. So this person receives 90 years of their salary before the master leaves. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, that sounds pretty nice. 
we need to understand the gravity of the situation here. The master didn't just give them $5 and, said good, and say good luck. Give them a true fortune. 90 years salary and you take the uh, median income of Mobile, which is somewhere around $38,000 a year. They got paid pretty well for some undisclosed amount of time. So now we understand the gravity of the situation here, okay? The first, the first, uh, look at this, I have to walk out now. The first of the slaves takes 90 years salary and goes and ends up turning it into 180 years salary, doubles it. Fantastic job. That's quite the investment. You, you know that you've made a good investment if you get double what you put in. That's pretty good. Most people uh, expect to only get 1.5 times what they invest. Double what you invested, that's pretty good. The same goes for the slave who only got two talents, doubled the investment. And then there's the third one who has 18 years salary, goes and buries it. How many of you, if you received 18 years salary, would go and dig a hole and say, I think this is the safest spot for this. I think this is the best thing that I could do with this money. Nope, all right, yeah. So, so Jesus is setting up here a dramatic scenario, right? A dramatic scenario, and it's important that it be dramatic because Jesus isn't necessarily talking about money in this parable. In fact, the talenton, from which we get our word talent, our actual word talent, it translates for us as talent as well, but the word talent, meaning something like gift or grace, comes from the same word. This is more of what Jesus is talking about. Actually, um, if we break it down even more, we find out that what Jesus is talking about eventually is the gospel, the good news, the news that the kingdom of God is near and that God is love and God is ready to embrace us. And so this is the scenario that Jesus has set up for his disciples to take in for just a moment. And then he goes to tell about when the master returns after some undisclosed amount of time. The understanding is that the master returning is the apocalypse. The Greek word is parousia, the second coming of Christ, the second coming of the Messiah. And, and whenever this happens, the master comes back, calls forth his slaves, Maybe this was a year past, maybe it was like 50 years, maybe it was an entire lifetime, it doesn't matter, the wind doesn't matter. But he calls his slaves back and says, okay, how did it go? The first slave says, I took your five and turned it into 10. Master says, well done, very good. You did good work. Second one, same story. I took your two and turned it into four. Fantastic. Excellent. Or, well done, good and trustworthy slave. And those words are important. Good and trustworthy slave. Some translations say, well done, good and faithful servant. Then, the third. The one who had received only one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man. Reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid and hid your talent in the ground. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense because this harsh man just gave three people a lot more money than I will ever see in my entire life. Sounds like a pretty generous 
kind of master. I'm just saying, it's not, it's not a bad gig. And it says, I was afraid. Afraid of what? The risk? Investing does come with a risk. It could be lost, I suppose. Afraid of the master, perhaps. But investing here is not for the slave. It's not for us. It's for the master. The master's response, you wicked and lazy slave. Wicked and lazy. Other translations say slothful. Evil and slothful slave. Why that word, lazy? Because that's a person who's unwilling to do anything with what they are given. And so, to the two, the first two slaves who found a return on their investment, who did something with what they were given, the master says to them, you have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. To the third, who had one talent and did not return anything but that which they were given, that person was told, you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. I would have at least received with, uh, my own with some interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one with ten talents. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay, we have a very dramatic scene here with a very harsh outcome. It ends with the wicked and lazy slave being cast into the darkness. How now do we translate this into our lives today? Jesus, in talking about the kingdom of God, in talking about the second coming, in talking about the mission that the disciples are soon to be going on, is talking about them needing to be active. We started last week with being prepared. Now we are turning this into being active as opposed to being lazy. Now it's going to start getting personal. Being active versus being lazy. I, confession here, I'm a pretty lazy person. Not in everything, um, but when it comes to being active. I'm really bad at um, being active. And whenever I say this, I mean physical activity. My wife is excellent. Every single morning she wakes up and she goes for a run or she does some Zumba dancing or some sort of exercise in the morning. And, uh, and then meanwhile, I'm getting my extra 30, 45 minutes of sleep because it's important to me. I'm, 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 I'm lazy <laughs> when it comes to being active. It's not good because I, I tell you what, I will reap what I sow there. Uh, my wife has also been reaping what she sows. She is uh, much healthier than I am and uh, has much more energy than I do at times and is just overall a better human being in all respects of the, of the word. Jesus here is setting this up to, t to let the disciples know that they need to be active, that while the master is gone, they are not expected to just sit around waiting for the master to return. 
Let's start translating this into Christian terminology here. Even though Jesus has ascended into heaven, and even though we know Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again, what are we doing in the in-between time between Christ is risen and Christ will come again? This is what we're setting up here. What are we doing? Much of Scripture, contrary to popular belief, is about being active and doing as opposed to lazy personal piety. We like to think that being a Christian is all about just reading the Bible and praying, and maybe we throw some fasting in there. But very rarely does Jesus include those in spiritual disciplines without doing something, without being active. When we get to the book of James, we, we have this uh, argument that, first off, no person can be saved by what they do. We do not believe in salvation by works. Human beings cannot save themselves. However, saved people, people who are pursuing Christ, people who are willing to go the distance and live into a Christian life, inherently do those things. They are people who live into that life to which they are called, not people who take their calling and bury it. And so I'm going to ask you for just a moment to consider yourself. Are you one of the investing slaves or are you a lazy slave? My self-confession, I feel like I, I lean more towards the lazy one. I don't feel like in my life and ministry that I really take that which God has granted me, gifts for ministry, the good news in my heart. I don't feel like I turn that into the community that much. I don't feel like I personally am leaving much of a legacy of the gospel of the kingdom of God in my life. But that said, I don't think that I have to accept that as my only identity. So consider for a moment which slave you might be. And as you consider that, consider how much you are investing in the kingdom of God. And I don't mean just financially. Financially, sure, that's part of who we are. We have multiple facets to us. Financially, sure. But more so, how much of the gospel which you have been granted are you investing into the work of the kingdom of God? How much of your life is directed towards the work of the kingdom of God? Is your vocation directed towards the kingdom of God? And I'm not saying that each person in here has to all of a sudden go into ministerial vocation. But even if you are, you know, just, I don't know, what's, what's a pretty common, bank teller. I was talking to a bank teller uh, earlier this weekend. If you, even if you're a bank teller, even that occupation has capacity to be geared towards the kingdom of God. The question here is how much of your life are you investing in that? How much are you willing to give to the kingdom of God? Not for your own reward, mind you. That's where we have to combat a little bit of, uh, of our economic system that's ingrained in our society. It's not for our own reward, but it's for this legacy of the kingdom of God. And here's what I mean by that. Even after 
the two slaves who invested and, re and doubled what they had been given, even after that, the master does not say, very good, good and trustworthy slave, you have done well, now go take a nap, rest, your work is done. Instead, the master says, you have been trustworthy worthy with little, I will, input, I will put you in charge of much. The activity of slaves is not done with this one task, much like the activity of Christians is not done at any one point in our lives. Just because we might have done some good early on in our lives doesn't mean the, late, the, the later portions of our lives mean that we can just take it easy and relax. Likewise, just because we, we know that we have our lives ahead of us doesn't mean we can squander where we are right now and just say, well, I will be better later on in life. It's an every day, every step, every moment process that we are called to be trustworthy in, that we are called to be investors in, that we are called to be giving of ourself for the kingdom of God. We are called to be active. We are called to be good and trustworthy. Legacy is about doing something more than, doing something for more than just me. It's investing in the lives and the flourishing of others. And that is what the church is called to, my friends. To invest in the lives and the flourishing of others. And so my challenge for us today is simply to be active to be the opposite of the third slave. Do not be lazy in the mission which God has granted us, the call that God has placed on your life. Do not be lazy in it, but seek every opportunity to invest that great love that God has placed on your hearts into the lives of others, into more than just you. Because at the end of it all, what we come to find out is that it's not about me. At the end of it all, we have the multitude of saints. At the end of it all, we have the throne, and we're not the ones on it. At the end of it all, it's about God. At the end of it all, we are called to give an account of what we have made of our lives. And so I tell you right now, no matter where you may be in your life, it's not too early and it's not too late to begin investing, to begin being active in the work of the kingdom of God in the way that Christ is working in and through and among us. It's not too early, it's not too late to be the church, to leave a legacy of the good news. So let us take what God has given us and double it. Let us take what God has given us, whether that be our gifts and grace, whether that be our financial resources, whether that be any blessing in our lives. And let us invest it for the good news, for the kingdom of God that we might see when the master returns a well done, good and trustworthy slave, a well done, good and faithful servant.
and let us pray.